You're listening to the Thrive Works webcast, where you hear facts, not fluff. Introducing your host, Dr. Anthony Centaur. This is Dr. Anthony Centaur, and welcome to the Thrive Works webcast. So, we all know the symptoms of ADHD. We have inattention, unproductive hyperactivity, impulsivity, disorganization, a lack of focus. Well, with us today is Dr. Jessica Penna. Dr. Jessica Penna is a PhD, a licensed counselor in South Carolina. She's a licensed professional counselor in Texas. She's also a clinical psychologist licensed in California. She wears many hats. Currently, she is practicing uh, out of ThriveWorks Columbia, South Carolina. And she wants to show us today the other side of the coin. She'll be helping us understand how ADHD can be potentially used to one's advantage. So without further ado, Dr. Jess, welcome to the webcast. Hello. It's very nice to be part of this. Um, hope everything's going well over there. Things are going, things are going fine. Let's dive right into it. ADHD. Typically, it's known as a, a somewhat debilitating mental health issue, or is it? Well, there's a lot of like negatives and positives with ADHD. A lot of times we focus only on the negative, especially when they come into our clinics or in our offices. But there's actually some positives around about having attention deficit disorder and hyperactivity. Um, basically, a lot of the clients and the individuals that have these symptoms are very creative, they're artistic. There's just a lot of positives that we can just elaborate on that we have a tendency not to. So you said creative and artistic. Is that is that just looking at someone's strength or are we talking about the actual, the other side of the coin of ADHD? Look at the other side. Essentially, people with uh, ADHD have a high a tendency to kind of be have their hands in the pot, in very, very different pots. And they can basically multitask if they learn how to deal with the anxiety that corresponds with having ADHD. So a lot of times I have patients that come in here, um, one, because their behaviors are, are, I mean, they're having a problem with their behaviors at school or at work, not being able to finish tasks. But in another light, um, we can look at this as being able to multitask being able to be versatile, flexible. Um, a lot of these individuals are very creative because their brain is actually just basically connecting 100 miles per hour. And we have a tendency to just forget about this and only look at that they can't finish tasks um, because they're easily bored. Hmm. And multitasking is something which has been a, probably a hot topic for the last year or so where some studies come out and they say multitasking doesn't exist. You just have attention on one thing and attention on another thing. So multitasking is a myth, and yet other studies come out and say, no, for a, a, a small minority of people, they can focus on multiple things at a time. Help us, help us break that down. I mean, is this a correlation specifically with people with ADHD are better multitasking than the general public? I think they can just switch it off and on if they've learned to um, organize. And it's not executive functioning skills that if they're developed, they can uh, see things more at a visual component. They can uh, use calendars, color coding, um, 
lists. And these are some of the things that I work with my patients when they come into my office, some of the executive functioning. But because of this, once they learn how to organize, they can switch from one thing to another fairly quickly. Hmm. Now, what age ranges uh, do you see this in? I see kids um, from age eight and I see adults. So it's a wide variety. And with the younger ones, I have a tendency to just do focus on the visual, uh, frustration tolerance, feeling overwhelmed, the anxiety that kind of gets produced when they feel like they can't do everything because uh, it becomes a huge task and that can bring up the anxiety. But the kids that learn how to manage that and break up things into small components, small tasks, basically minimize the frustration and that anxiety and learn how to deal with just being put in different situations. And, and to some extent, even better than their non-hyperactive peers? Correct. Okay. Now, what about create? You said one of the first things was creativity and, and being artistic. Uh, how have you seen that manifest? Oh, goodness. I've seen a lot of my uh, ADD, ADHD. A lot of them are very good at drawing, uh, expressing themselves through, I guess, the sens their sensitive artistic abilities, uh, journaling, um, music, because they're able to just see things a little differently mm -hmm. and feel. Um, a lot of them are highly sensitive to the surroundings, which makes them good at expressing themselves creatively. I see. I see. Yeah. So yeah, you've brought that up a few times that persons with ADHD, you've, you've found in your clients anyhow, that they tend to have, they're not just hyperactive, they're also hypersensitive. Right. Okay. So this could be good news to someone listening or watching who has experienced ADHD or has someone in their family with ADHD like a child. Uh, they might say, hey, you know, there, there might be some strengths that go along with some of these challenges. On the other hand, there might be some people listening who have uh, battled with ADHD and struggled with managing their ADHD, and uh, they they might be listening to what you're saying and saying, like, this isn't resonating with my personal challenges or struggle at all. I haven't felt the advantages of this disorder. What would you, how would you respond to that? Well, I would essentially ask them, uh, what are they focusing? Are they focusing on just the negative? Um, because a lot of these people, when they come in the office, that's what they come in with anxiety, the feelings of just not knowing how to manage it because they haven't developed skills. Um, then we focus on some of the positives. A lot of times they're very quick-witted. Uh, they have a gift of gab because they can jump from one thing to another. Mm. It's kind of focusing on that ability. Um, and then I have to talk to the parents saying that you're going to have to repeat things. It's going to be kind of a given. But once they learn it, most of my patients um, and the families have told me that they don't forget it. It becomes like a long-term memory, a skill that they don't have to go back. But um, they're able to learn things with repetition. So you would, it sounds like you'd say you have, you have probably some gifts some unrecognized mm -hmm. gifts, perhaps some unharnessed skills uh, that are to your advantage that maybe you haven't noticed yet. Correct. Yeah, ADHD isn't isn't just a curse. There's there is another side of the coin. We just have to help you begin to study the other the other side. And really focus on that. Focus on some of the positives, not just all the negatives, because then they can kind of hone into that and develop it a little bit better instead of just focusing on all the 
bad things that surround it. Yeah. When reading stories about people with ADHD, there is, uh, there seems to be a fair amount of people suffering from ADHD or have ADHD, let's not even say suffering, who say they refuse to call it a weakness. They refuse to call it an illness. They just say, this is just part of who I am for bad and for good. And they recognize that there's parts of their personality, there's parts of who they are, which are advantageous, even if parts of ADHD have been a challenge. Correct. I am complete agreeance with you. So what is what is the kind of taking it back just to ADHD treatment? Uh, what is the answer? Is it Adderall? Is it Ritalin? Is it psychotherapy? What is it that uh, when people come into your office, what do they what do they need first? Um, I generally start off with just psychoeducational uh, material, trying to explain to them what they're feeling. I do a couple of assessments to really find out if they truly have it, if it's um, inattentive, if it's combined hyperactivity, and then we move from there. I mean, medication has proven to work. Therapy has proven to work. Both of them work well. It's just a matter of what the client's comfortable. But if they are medication, then I try to develop skills, skill building. Uh, executive functioning, frustration tolerance. Um, well, let me let me stop you for a second because I think sure. uh, just so we don't we don't lose anybody. You um, said in the first part in being now this is good, but in the first part diagnostically, you want to find out do they really have ADHD, and if they do, what type do they have? Is it inattentive? Is it hyper hyperactive? Can you take a minute break that down? Let us know how ADHD might be very different in one person than it is in another. Because it's not really a one size one size fits all probably isn't the right expression, but it doesn't manifest the same way in one person as it does in another. Absolutely. Um, in an inattentive, these kids have a tendency and even adults mm -hmm. to kind of get forgotten because they're not the ones that misbehave. They usually are the, the ones that are doodling, that are easily distracted, that internally their mind is just losing track, but they're there. Um, they just internally don't have the ability to focus or get things connected. But uh, hyperactivity can be in two ways. I see it more in younger kids as the ones that jump around in the classrooms, go back and forth, uh, can't stay still. And in that, they can't even stay still cognitively adults can also can't be stay still cognitively so they can sit in a chair but they're not focusing on one thing correct. at a time correct and it's because they're making those constant connections and it's learning how to kind of focus on that one um one task at a time even though their brain or their their thoughts are going 100 miles per hour um, i will use sometimes the mindfulness the coloring books and you'll see them that they're coloring they're actually drawing but they're talking because they can do that and once they learn that they can they can learn how to just focus on that one task and not losing themselves mm -hmm. with adults i see that more often i think when you talk about the mental hyperactivity that's sort of where we begin to see a bit more of the outline of where the advantages of of an ADHD mind can come into play, right? Because they're thinking about one thing and then another thing and then another thing. And the problem occurs when they're dropping things at the wrong time. But the advantage is, is that they can jump from one topic to the next to the next. And that shows a high level of intellect, high level of, of mental acuity. I absolutely agree with that. I have, I tell a lot of parents, I tell adults, it's, they're usually very bright. If you do uh, assessments or when I give them um, IQ tests, the intelligence is there. 
it's just that organization that may not be there. Once you kind of build and you combined uh, the organization and they learn how, it's like a whole different person. And sometimes the medications can help them just level out and learn the skills that they weren't able to without the medication. And some people I know that don't take medication, they just utilize the skills that they build during therapy. Now I heard anecdotally about a business owner who when he needed to promote and market his business and kind of be out in the community, he would get off of his ADHD meds. And when he needed to hunker down at his desk and file his paperwork or do whatever, you know, boring business things he needed to do, he would get back on his meds. Uh, does that, does such a scenario hold water? Is that an advisable thing for someone to do? In terms of medication use, I mean, I'm always weary to kind of touch that one, but I've seen people use it that way and it's very beneficial um, because it's just that quick response, like I need to focus, I need to stay on task. But that ability to go come, like, and sorry, we have, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they're, they're but, not here for you. No, no, no. They're not no, here for not. us, yeah. <laughs> but uh, generally they'll be able to kind of use that creative sense to make the connections and listen to the little details that they may miss if they were on medication because they're just focused on one task. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that explained it. <laughs> I get, I could see that as, and I see why, why anyone would be, would be leery uh, about, about making such a, a recommendation, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me more about, of course, you're more focused on the psychotherapy end. You'll, right. you'll refer out for medication when indicated, but okay. when you're working with clients, you're working on skill building and uh, strictly in the talk therapy sense. Uh, right. Can you break down a few of the things that say an adult client in particular, um, what sort of exercises would you do with an adult client? What sort of things might you do in session? Absolutely. Uh, I would do some type of education, um, an assessment, just seeing where they're at, like a kind of just a survey. Once I know if it's more inattentive or if it's more hyperactivity or combined, then I'll move on to CBT. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll CBT, on- that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Correct. And the value of CBT in working with ADH clients is it's building the understanding um, of what because that anxiety is always there that feeling of getting feeling overwhelmed so we try to find out what are the stressors the triggers that kind of build that and a lot of times what i find is it could be a simple task but they just don't know how to break it up like an adult has a basically a report or something she or he has to develop and we worked on we then put in some of the executive functioning activities to break it down like what's the first second third final product because oftentimes they'll start off doing the beginning and the end mm-hmm. but the middle is kind of confused or so, so that's that's interesting so what you're saying is those who have adhd some specific types of it the problem is is when they're dealing with a larger uh task correct they they struggle with kind of breaking it down into the right steps to the right milestones for completion. So they look at the beginning, they look at the end, and somewhere in the middle, they get lost. Right. And they get anxious, and then they begin to avoid or they start get redirected onto the wrong thing. Correct. So and helping them through kind of behavioral therapy to kind of identify what breaking it all down into little steps keeps them on task. 
Correct. And uh, realizing what their body's feeling, uh, what's working, what's not working, what kind of beliefs they're telling themselves just to kind of stop that negativity, which oftentimes gets them to develops into like a running away, away pattern. I love the thing about changing people's thoughts to change their mood. Uh, can you talk a little bit about about that, how reducing anxiety through thinking? Because a lot of people don't realize, you know, how much our emotions are a direct result from our thoughts. Oh, absolutely. A lot of times I start off with the cognitive distortions. Um, it's those negative things we tell ourselves, like should have, could have. Um, it's catastrophizing and basically breaking it down and challenging it, saying, is this really real? Is this true? What's another way to... Um, just deal with this issue than what's what hasn't been working in the past and then with that you I see a lot of patients kind of build a, a better understanding of oh my goodness I'm doing it again and they have that stop pattern and basically that awareness that they can do this they can get through this so they catastrophize so that, well, that's one of the cognitive distortions right there's 13 there's, there's 13 <laughs> yeah there's what you can look them up. Uh, there's uh, what? There's fortune telling. There's labeling. There's all or nothing thinking. But catastrophizing is one of the most common. Where what, what is what is the definition of that one? When something something small happens and they say, "Oh no, it's it's all going to happen again." Something small becomes something big. Is that it? Correct. Correct. It's kind of like taking a small problem and making it to a huge uh, crisis. Mountain out of a molehill type thing. Correct. And what that does, their emotion is spikes the anxiety which spikes the symptoms of adhd yes and okay. the adrenaline and the panic and uh, just kind of the avoidance and a lot of times a lot of people who struggle with adhd uh they're great at procrastinating hmm. but it's kind of just learning how to focus and realizing that i don't need to procrastinate i can get this done and the sooner i get it done the less worry and anxiety or emotional distress i'm going to place on myself yeah, and it's interesting how much anxiety is coming into play on this discussion, because being ADHD, I didn't think we'd hear so much about anxiety, but it seems like anxiety is the lever that you use with a lot of your clients to help them control their attention deficit, because it seems that those are related. Is that almost always the case? I see it a uh, high percentage. Um, then I have the other ones that go into, like, the anger, the the basically the behavior, the oppositional, just kind of the fight or flight, they just fight. So I deal with the other component of that distress, how to handle that frustration of just not knowing how to correlate everything that's going on around them. Mm -hmm. I see. That's, so that's where the defiance aspect of, or conduct disorder that's it's sometimes kind of associated. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's associated. You got kids with ADHD and then they end up acting out. And the question is, well, why are they acting out? And then what you're saying is they're stressed, they're frustrated with their inattention, their inability to complete some tasks. Right. And then their response is, let's create a ruckus. Correct. So I can avoid it. <laughs> so I can avoid it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And because I just don't know what's going on. Yeah, and, and I don't want to, I don't know how to deal with it. And um, this pattern has worked. So there's a maladaptive behavior. So once again, we bring in the behavior modification of trying to, um, relearn a better way of handling um, basically your symptoms and produce them into like a gift mm -hmm. uh, because once they learn how to manage it, they don't have the anger outburst or the anxiety. They 
they realize they can think quick. They can make connections that maybe other people cannot. Mm-hmm. And they're almost proud. Interesting. You know, there are some disorders like general anxiety disorder or mood disorders like depression where it seems to make people make a really quick and easy argument for, for talk therapy or psychotherapy as a treatment. Then there are other disorders like ADHD, as the one we're talking about today, where people typically think this isn't a psychotherapy oriented disorder. This isn't an order where this isn't a disorder where talk therapy is going to help. This is simply a, a medical issue. We need to get on medicine exclusively. I think you've done a really good job today of kind of explaining some ways that psychotherapy can be really helpful uh, to people. Um, there's just so many benefits with psychotherapy because it's a place where people, individuals, young or old, um, can just talk about these frustrations and not feel judged. Um, because then that that sense of insecurity can develop, and it's just learning new ways to handle your emotions that maybe you didn't know how to handle. You were just taking medication to just eliminate the symptoms, but the symptoms are going to be there. I mean, that's part of the person. And when the medication's not there, they're going to have to learn how to deal with those symptoms. Very good. And Dr. Jessica, how can people reach you? They can reach me at our office um, or through the email, uh, jesspena at thriveworks.com or our phone number, our local phone number is 803, um, I think it's 569-3101. <laughs> it's a new number. <laughs> I know we have a new number. Though. If it's wrong, we'll put it in the show notes, but no I, I, think, I think you got it right. Okay. All right. Dr. Jessica Penn, everyone, thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Bye. Bye.